Hello, I'm Arafat, I'm in the UK. And I'm Mohammed, and I'm in the US. And you're listening to Slow Pit Stop. Hello and welcome to Slow Pit Stop, the international Formula One podcast by fans, for fans, all around the world. My name's Arafat, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Mohammed. Say hi, Mohammed, if you have the ability. I'm actually very depressed right now, so... <laughs> You opened your mouth about three times trying to work out what you wanted to say. So anybody that listens to this podcast obviously knows the result of the, is it the US Grand Prix or is it the Austin Grand Prix? I don't even want to think about it. It's the US Grand Prix because Texas came first before the posers in Miami and Vegas, but fine. Yeah. So it's the US Grand Prix. Uh, We all obviously know the result and we all obviously know that Lewis Hamilton was disqualified for an issue with his plank. So Instead of starting with the news or anything this week, we're going to start at the end, which is the disqualification, have a little bit of group therapy, work through our feelings, and then um, maybe discuss some aspects of the race. Uh, but more importantly, Mohammed, you were actually there at the Circuit of the Americas, so we're going to find out all about your experience. But where were you when you found out that Lewis was disqualified? Or where were you when you found out that it might be a problem? Yeah, I was in line getting onto a shuttle to leave the track, which is a really unfortunate place because like it had been such a good experience being at the track and at the race up until that moment. And like getting on the shuttle to leave, you're kind of just like, like letting all the good feelings waft over, you're soaking in it. And yet here I am refreshing my Twitter over and over again to see if Lewis is going to get disqualified. And the thing is like, I didn't initially think he was going to get disqualified. I thought maybe it's going to be like a, a fine. I was actually really sure he was going to get a fine, but more and more people online were saying that, oh no, this is a technical infringement and those are met with dis- disqualification. So it was just like, you like, you know, it's like getting the best news of your life and then just minutes later finding out something devastating. That's kind of like what it was going through. I had such a great experience up until then. And then just as I'm leaving, I'm looking at my phone and it's like just horrible, horrible news. So yeah, and I texted you, like, if this ends up being real and he gets disqualified, I don't know what I'm going to do to... I don't know how I'm going to solve it. I don't know what... I'm, I don't know. Yeah. How are your feelings now, a few days later? Uh, it's it's mixed. On one hand, I'm not as upset about it as I was in the moment because I guess we're not in a year right now where Lewis needs to be finishing P2 over and over again. Like... It would have been really nice for him to finish on the podium. He's had. It would have been nice for him to score those points and challenge Checo for second in the championship. But ultimately, it doesn't make a big difference. Mm. Um, so that part makes me feel better. However, it's tough to look back at like the pictures and the videos I took because all of that was building towards something, and I know that the end result is nullified. So it's sort of like when you think about the twenty twenty one season and some of the really great races and performances, but then you're like, wow. The end of all that was Lewis lost it. He had it robbed. It's, it's kind of the same thing where I'm like, wow, I had so much fun. Uh, it was so fun to watch this. It was such a great time. But at the end of it, Lewis is going to get disqualified anyway. It's like one of those things. So I think you texted me about what 1 a.m. my time to say this might mm-hmm. be happening. And I looked and at the news or whatever and I went to sleep. And then I woke up at some point in the middle of the night, probably because of a child. And um, <laughs> I was like, oh, he has been disqualified. And I was like, oh, well. And 
you know those feelings of enjoying watching the race, watching yeah. Lewis come within seconds of maybe winning, and you're like, okay, if yeah. this had gone this way, if the team had done that, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. And just being in the fight. And there was a huge thing about, um, you know, Mercedes bringing this floor upgrade. It's all experimental towards the philosophy for next year. And, you mm-hmm. know, they're a bit nervous about next year, but if... And they they said, you know, before, we're obviously not going to overtake Max, but if we come a bit closer, we'll be really happy that we're going the right way for next year. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so within that, I was like, that's fine. Because one, I think Lewis drove really, really well. Mm -hmm. Two, that's the thing I'm more worried about. Because honestly, there's a bit of me inside that thought next year is going to be like this year. Max Mm -hmm. is going to win everything. Lewis is going to be fighting Mm -hmm. for top five Mm -hmm. positions. Mm-hmm. Um, will we even win a race again? And I think Max is probably still favourite to win next year, mm-hmm. but suddenly I've got the hope again that Lewis will be winning races next year. So yeah. it, of course, I, I don't know if it would have hurt more actually if Lewis won this and then they disqualified. Oh him. my god, that would have been devastating. But that would have been Abu Dhabi twenty twenty one levels yeah. of devastating. But the you know on the other side of it, I'd rather we had a great race, finish second, and were disqualified in technicality rather than. We finished P5 and everything was fine. And okay, Mercedes said, you know, the floor thing probably didn't make a very significant difference to mm-hmm. um, their time. So, you know, they're feeling good about the upgrades and yeah, a couple of points that really, really cheered me up, which I hope will cheer you up too. Mm-hmm. Um, because they didn't examine George's car. They didn't say, oh, you know, George's car was legal. Lewis had this like illegal performance. Mm-hmm. Game. It was just mm-hmm. the way the rules work out. They randomly select cars to examine. So mm-hmm. Lewis was randomly selected. But with this upgrade and with the car getting faster and better, yeah. Lewis properly put George away this weekend. Oh my God. Yeah, he did. And what was my, well, real quick, before we get to the race, what was my number one question to you throughout the race? Where's George? Well, what's George even doing? Yeah. That's what you're texting. What's George doing? <laughs> I was like, nothing. George is doing nothing. Um, so, you know, Lewis has put George away. And next year, there will obviously be races where George is faster. And if they have a car that can win, I expect George to win too. But I'm like, yeah, do you know what? This is all fine. Lewis, when he's fighting at his top level, George can't come close. Second, mm-hmm. Max Verstappen has won the world championship. He's mm-hmm. breaking like every record ever mm-hmm. at the minute. And he was still so spooked on the radio. He was still like, ah, yeah. oh, these, you know, beeping brakes and don't talk to me when I'm breaking and all of this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was like, he's rattled. He's mm-hmm. like, you know, we've gotten under his skin. We're in his head. This is good. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah, they took the result away. But in my head, I was like, it's almost like, you know, when they took away Lewis's win in Belgium, mm-hmm. I was just getting into Formula One then. I didn't have any social media or whatever. Yeah. So I didn't even know about that until like I watched the next race and I was like, wait, what? Mm-hmm. what's going on? Oh, um, so I was a bit like that. Like, actually, no, to me, he won that race back in Belgium. And to me, he got that second place here. And a lot of people are saying, oh, you know, they're out to get him. He shouldn't have been disqualified, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I'm like, if it was a technical infringement, we don't have a defense to that. We want mm-hmm. the rules to be applied correctly. Mm-hmm. There's a huge discussion to have about fairness of examining some cars and not others. 
mm-hmm. um, especially when the infringement is so dependent on the environment like it was today mm-hmm. or yeah. at this race. But mm-hmm. I think that is separate to saying Lewis should just be allowed through because it didn't make a performance difference. Mm. Yeah, I um, a couple of things I want to touch upon from the fact side of the matter, because I want to differentiate ourselves from some of the people on social media that I think have incorrect views. So first of all, I do think that the disqualification was warranted. Uh, there is a rule and we didn't like stick to that rule. So I, I think I'm not going to go out and say he shouldn't have been disqualified. I think that was correct, but I think the circumstances around it were unfair. Yeah. One that, uh, when you randomly sample four cars and then two of them come back uh, as having broken the rule, two of them that have no relation to each other, right? Like Ferrari and Mercedes, different power units, different philosophies, different everything. I think it's very, I think if they had come out at that point and said, we are now going to check the planks on every single car and then make a decision based off those results, I would have said, okay, that's fair. And then maybe it comes back and it's still only Lewis and Charles. And then it's like, oh, wow, you know, Mercedes really screwed up my my anger would have been squarely at Mercedes in that situation, but, or, you know, maybe it came back and it said like, you know, 12 cars Mm -hmm. had plank wear. Then I would have been like, okay, this is a systemic issue, but you know, as it was, it's such a small data set that it really felt like they target, they, they singled out Lewis and Charles. Uh, And that I don't think is fair. So that's one, two. I, I agree that the, the performance Mercedes put in was pretty good. Some people online have been saying that the reason for their increased performance is that they ran the car lower. So I was going to ask you if you think that's true, uh, whether they gained a performance advantage because they ran the car lower to the ground. Somebody else said that this is millimeters that we're talking about, so probably yeah. not. So I think it's a bit chicken and egg in mm. that. Well, it's not even that. I think it's, it's, it's thinking about the dominoes in a different order. Yeah. They had a problem with porpoising, right? Yeah, and they had this floor that wasn't really working very efficiently, and yeah. they had to change the whole side pod philosophy to start trying to get downforce in a different way. So mm-hmm. now they have this floor, which works better, it's more stable, and they mm-hmm. can run it lower. Mm-hmm. And because they can run it lower, they were running it lower, and they ran into this plank problem. Mm-hmm. So I think it's it's, you know, you take a few steps back and go, actually, this is a good thing because. They've now got a floor that they can be a bit more aggressive with. Mm-hmm. The problem comes from the fact that it was a sprint weekend. Yeah. Um, and the they don't have time to like analyze the car and hype loads of this yeah. and that. Yeah. So mm-hmm. they were disadvantaged that way. Mm-hmm. And then the track was particularly bumpy. Yeah. Um, so, you know, people had this sort of problem in Singapore or something as well, and they had to compensate and race yeah. the car. So one of the reasons Max was slower was because his car was raised to try and avoid this. So I was going to ask you that. I was going to say that how much of our performance leap and Red Bull struggling is due to the fact that we ran our car lower than we should have and Red Bull ran their car higher than they could have. You know, like... So I don't think we gained really... lots of performance in running our car mm-hmm. lower. I think mm-hmm. Red Bull lost performance for putting their car up. Um, yeah. And the two cars probably moved towards each other. This is why I'm saying, mm-hmm. you know, next time at... Mexico or whatever race we go to, I don't suddenly expect yeah. Lewis to be within two seconds of Max by the end of every race. Yeah. I think Max will yeah. go back to having this big advantage he's had. But what I'm pleased with is whatever Mercedes are doing, it's closing the gap and it's very, very positive for next year. 
And mm-hmm. when I say positive, a good result to me is Lewis winning races. I don't think we're going to have a championship winning car. Yeah. But if Lewis can win races, I'll be happy. What, next year, you don't think we'll have a championship winning car? No. Mm. So I I, th- I disagree. I think you put a race winning car in Lewis's hands and that's a championship winning car. Um, we don't have a championship winning team. We need a team that can do. There you goals. go. There you go. I fully <laughs> agree with that. That's where I, the thing is like, you look at what Lewis has been able to accomplish with a car that he's been uncomfortable with. And it's quite incredible. Like even last year, the second half of the year, he was doing very well. And it was only the first half when he was running experiments that he was slow. But this year, you know, he's really been driving the hell out of the car. And he said this week that the car was more comfortable for him. He felt comfortable throwing it in the corners and he felt like he could actually rely on it. So Hopefully these are steps in the right direction and next year when we're not having this Frankenstein no pod slash full pod concept, hopefully that means that we will have a better car. But in the meantime, thinking back on this weekend, I'm just going to ignore the disqualification Yeah, and just remember, like they can't take the memory of Lewis on the podium away from me. You know, like I still have, I have the wounds on my hand from crawling over the crash barrier to get to the podium on time. I have those wounds. So before we get to your wounds, because I saw I saw the pictures <laughs> of your hands bleeding and I can yeah. see the bandages on your hands just now. Um, yeah. let's rewind. Okay. <laughs> Almost like you know one of those like old sitcoms. You're like, hey, I bet you're wondering how I got here. Um, so let's <laughs> yeah. rewind to you just finished a night shift and then what happened? Yeah. To your oh life? my god. <laughs> Oh my goodness. And what a night shift it was too. Like I was really some, you know, you've worked nights before, so you know that some nights can be quite easy and quiet and all the patients just sleep. Right. And you're just coast till morning. And sometimes it could be like dumpster fire after dumpster fire after dumpster fire. Mm. So the hospital I'm working at is a level one trauma center for the entire region that I'm at. So if there's ever like, um, like uh, emergencies, like, um, I don't know what the word is, like multiple uh, injury emergencies or whatever. Mm. This is the hospital that they all go to. So we had one of those that night and we just had like people after people and and patients were threatening to leave uh, against medical advice, like just go home because they didn't want to be there anymore. And it was just like, could not wait for the night to finish. So the night finishes and I'm all packed up and I go home for a little bit um i'm lucky that i have enough time before my flight that i can shower and then take like a half hour nap Mm. so i got a little bit of rest in and then get on the plane pretty much immediately to fly to austin and like it's it's quite frustrating the flights that i had to take to get that there's no direct flight so i I had to do one with a layover so i ended up missing qualifying and i was okay remember like a few weeks ago, I don't remember what sprint race it was, but I complained. I think it actually was like Singapore. I complained that sprint re- weekends, there's too many things to watch and I don't mm. have time. Yeah. It was like that this weekend too. Okay. There's too many things and I didn't have time to hit them all. So I missed qualifying because I was still in the plane and I pretty much landed in time to go to the F1 concert. You have a concert every night at every race. So the first night was the killers, which was really nice for me to watch because, um, like I've been listening to the killers for 15 years. So I love them. So that was nice, but I missed qualifying. Uh, and I was extremely sleep deprived. I got like some on and off sleep on the plane. I tried my best, but in reality, I had woken up around 3 PM. So that's 1500 the day before. And I yeah. ended up going to sleep around, um, like midnight. Gosh. So that's how many hours is that? That's too many. Twenty. <laughs> yeah. It's at least 36 hours. I think. Yeah. Um, it's a lot, it's a lot of hours 
and I was very tired by the end of it. Um, but yeah, so I, I, at least into Saturday got a, a, a very restful sleep. Uh, but yeah, and then what, so one of the, the benefits is I had a lot of um, points on my credit card that I could use towards like travel. Mm. Uh, so I was able to upgrade my hotel uh, from the one I stayed in last time to one that was more central in the downtown area. Mm. And I know that teams stay in this block of hotels, but I, I didn't know if a, a team would be staying at my hotel. It ended up being that uh, part of the Williams team was staying at the hotel and they're staying on my floor. So when I went to breakfast, they are, they all had they had like a private dining area booked out and they're all sitting there having breakfast. And I just sat there for hours stalking them to see if like Logan or Alex or James would come. But I think they got to go stay in the very nice And you were hotel. wearing your Logan Sargent shirt on the way down, but you didn't have it that day. Yeah. Oh my God. So I wore the Logan Sargent shirt on the flight there. But then it was like my plane shirt, right? Like you, like your plane shirt is all like sweaty and grimy. And <laughs> so I was like, I'm not wearing this to breakfast the next day. So I yeah. changed into a different outfit. And then that's when the whole Williams team was there. And I didn't have my freaking Williams shirt on. But you know what? Like that first day when I got to the track, I must have seemed like such a paradox. Because I had a Mercedes hat on with the Lewis Hamilton logo. I had the Logan Sargent shirt on, and yep. I had the, uh, a free backpack I got from McLaren. So I had a McLaren, Williams, You're and Mercedes. Team Mercedes through and through. Mercedes yeah, so engine. only Mercedes engine specifically. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm a Mercedes power unit fan only, but yeah. It was, <laughs> it's like how Adam's yeah. a fan of Honda. You can be yeah. a fan of Mercedes engines. <laughs> Imagine only being a fan of Mercedes engines. I don't think I've ever met somebody who's just a fan of Mercedes engines, but that's definitely what I look like. Yeah. Uh, it was quite funny. But um, yeah, so anyway, you know, it was nice. It was nice upgrading my hotel. And the other thing I did, as I alluded to earlier, was uh, use the F1 shuttle system. Mm. So last year I got a rental car and I thought, oh, that's the way to go. But the problem is that all of the like parking lots are expansive and it takes an hour to get to your car then it takes time sitting in traffic the shuttles i have to say was was handled pretty well by the track people they they had like you know hundreds of these shuttles taking people to and from downtown so it was pretty easy to get on one uh to leave so um that was the other thing i did well that i, I was happy about upgrading my hotel and then getting a shuttle hmm. but yeah i mean overall it was a very nice experience i'm reminded again about how much of a fair it is there's amusement park rides there's pit stop simulators they had something really cool this time that was like a, a lights out and away we go like simulator where you, hmm. a reaction time hmm. you test your reaction time so there's so much stuff to do and then there's all these sessions and in between the f1 sessions was all the f1 academy stuff so i was trying to get all of that stuff too so it really was a jam-packed day. Um, I, I think if you want to go to a race and get your money's worth, something like Silverstone or Coda, one of these yeah. where it's like an established a festival track. feeling. Exactly. Way more worth it. There's so much time to do, uh, stuff to do. But speaking of F1 Academy, our old friend Bianca Bustamante, who we've interviewed multiple times on our podcast and YouTube, was yeah. racing she this was weekend. There. And also, it was so nice to see her race in the first place. Like all the stuff that we talk about, but then getting to see her race and, and make moves and like try to overtake and defend. It was, it was mm. like really nice. You know, she's very talented. Um, I know we know that we've talked to her, but seeing it in person, you can really see that she, she's quite talented and she has uh, a lot of good racecraft and she's so famous now. Like yeah. she's, she's genuinely famous now. It was actually a little embarrassing because they did this F1 Academy meet and greet afterwards. Um, and like, 
all the drivers came out and uh, Marta Garcia had just won the championship. So you'd expect like a bunch of people to be asking for her autograph or pictures with her, but there, everybody was going to Bianca um, and like only a few people were going to Marta Garcia, but I, I couldn't believe how many people were trying to, she was like mobbed. She was literally yeah. getting mobbed by Do you think it's predominantly Asian fans that feel represented and are wanting to go to yeah, her or is it definitely, everyone? Definitely. No, it was a lot of Asian fans. Mm. Uh, there And there's a lot of women in general that I think only know Bianca mm. and really felt uh, like seeing uh, with Bianca's representation because mm. like, I mean, if I had to generalize, it, it was like 80% women in the crowd mm. and then 20% men. And of the men, I think they were all Asian, of Asian descent. Yeah. Um, so, Yeah. And there, I I sat. I was sitting next to somebody who was from the Philippines, who who flew from Manila to this Grand Prix. Oh wow! And he didn't come for Bianca, but he didn't know about Bianca, and he was excited to yeah, see yeah. Bianca race. So I I think that for all these motorsport fans in the Philippines, she's a big deal. And signing with McLaren, it was it was quite funny because they asked uh, the other drivers like on stage during meet and greet, like, "Oh, what are your aspirations for the future?" And Marta Garcia was like, "I'm not going to be in F1 Academy next year. I've already won this. My goal now is to sign with the development program." And they asked another driver, and she's like, "My goal is to sign with one of the uh, um, academy programs." Mm. And then they asked Bianca, and she's like, "Oh, I- I'm just so excited to have already signed with the McLaren program." So like. <laughs> <laughs> like she's like a step ahead of all these people and and I really think her media team has done an incredible job in yeah. boosting her profile and showcasing her talents um but yeah it was really nice to meet her and she remembered me and I I couldn't even get I couldn't even like get her attention there were so many people mm. and then I basically shouted out Bianca do you remember me and then like the crowd got quiet and everyone looked at me like who is that? <laughs> <Some> <laughs> crazy psycho <laughs> literally i think they thought that's who i was but then she said she's like oh yeah i remember you slow pit stop uh and yeah it was it was quite nice you know the last time we talked to her is when w series got canceled and she's yeah. been so busy her media team haven't been able to book us in uh while she's Since, in the yeah. F1 academy yeah so now that she's done i'm gonna try and get her on the show again and, and hopefully we could talk about what it, what it was like racing in F1 maybe academy. maybe we'll get her in the off season yeah i think so be, she's racing at the um indie lights or whatever is one step before indie lights she'll be doing yeah. that in the office but hopefully we can get her um before she goes all famous and meets lando norris mm. did you see all the people shipping her with oscar piastri it was quite funny <laughs> no yeah. i did not see that side <laughs> <of the>. <laughs> <laughs> they're only a couple years apart actually no i think they're the same age yeah because i think she's 18 and he's 18 so piastri's yeah. 18 He's young. He's like 19 or 20. Why does he have the hair of a 48-year-old? <laughs> I thought you were going to say a 4-year-old. <laughs> I think his mom still cuts his hair. Mm. He's 22. Never mind. I cut so my son's hair today. Oh, but he is a baby. Let me see a picture. Does he look like Oscar Piastri? I'll show you. I'll show you. I cut his hair. He might a little bit, actually, because the front part is not completely... Mm-mm-mm. Let's find the picture. Where's the camera? Eleven percent battery remaining. There you go. Oh, what a cutie! I don't care how you cut his head; he's a cutie. Why is he looking at the camera like he hates me? <laughs> like me specifically? I'm not sure what's going on. He wanted uh, to go to bed, and he's like, "Why am I awake? Why are you cutting my hair? What's happening?" You're you're a good parent, Arfat. <laughs> I would not be a good parent, but you are a good parent. Um, but yeah, back to haircuts. <laughs> so Oscar Piastri and his yeah, McLaren. Yeah, so he made a video saying uh, congratulations, Bianca. Yeah, and it yeah it drove drove Twitter wild. Um, 
But yeah, she's got she's got a lot of fans. I and it was my, funny. My was... relationship with McLaren very strange because obviously <laughs> I worked yeah. there for a few years. I was a big McLaren fan because of Lewis. I had all yeah. the retro McLaren gear. Um, and I remember when Lewis was leaving McLaren, I had this like moment of, oh, what is that? me am i supposed to keep supporting mclaren and then i was like no nah, i'm gonna support lewis and i realize now i don't support any particular team but um yeah i think i still do have a soft spot for mclaren because that was the like i you know remember walking down those corridors and seeing those cars yeah. and eating there and going to the gym and all that sort of stuff and yeah um the fact that bianca's there one is amazing yeah but i still can't get over the the zach brown mclaren if that makes sense yeah yeah um it's a new the, era man i get yeah. it it's a new era and, uh, it's the, not the same mclaren the, the tobacco sponsorship that's what gets me the most yeah yeah but did you see they had to put <laughs> nicotine as an addictive product on the side of the cars oh right. in america america yeah, yeah. They had is to there like put, a law do we have good them, laws in this country i guess so <laughs> but they had to put a disclaimer on the side of the I'm mclaren glad. that nicotine good. is an addictive chemical good i didn't see that but good yeah. Uh, did you see the Ferrari lawyers vaping outside, outside no. the FIA hearing? <laughs> so it's like a, there's like a picture. So when when the disqualification news was happening, there's like a picture of um, like Ron um, or Jonathan Wheatley, not Jonathan mm. Wheatley. I forgot who our sporting director is, but him. I want to say Ron Dennis, but that sounds wrong. Ron Meadows. Um, yes, Ron Meadows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ron Meadows. Uh, Andrew Shovlin hmm. and uh, one other guy, and they're they're going to the thing, and, and they look very disheveled, and like their entire case is one piece of paper. Like he's holding one piece of paper <laughs> with him, and everybody's we didn't like, mean to do it." <laughs> <laughs> All of the the people on Twitter are like, "Oh man, we're screwed. There's no way we're winning this." And then another picture came out, and it's the Ferrari like lawyers, like their sporting director, and they're like sitting, they're standing outside the building. One of them is like doubled over, the other one's vaping, and then the Ferrari fans are like, "No, we're definitely getting disqualified. We've got nothing." So, yeah, I know you don't like vaping, but it was quite a funny picture yeah. of them just struggling. Um, but Ferrari, back in the day, had a very close relationship with Philip Morris. So Philip Morris, Marlboro. who obviously do Marlboro and all those other things, yeah. and they were still sponsored by them despite yeah. not being allowed to run tobacco products. So then they started running nonsense like Mission Winnow, which is part of their, like, better tomorrow, smoke-free tomorrow, blah, 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 whatever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then quietly, they just broke off that relationship altogether. Oh, Mission Winnow's done? Like, no, like, yeah, any relationship with Philip Morris is done. Wow, I didn't know that. That's crazy. Yeah, so Ferrari, As of what, last bizarrely, year or something? Uh, I can't remember when it was, but Ferrari, bizarrely, now don't have a relationship to a tobacco company. But McLaren wow. does. And some of the others did. I think Alpine might have. and No, maybe Alpine didn't. Some of the others did. They had all like different vaping or nicotine product companies. Yeah. Um, I so I, I've just Googled it. And um, it looks like this year is the first year that Mission Winnow has fully been dropped as a livery. It was on the delivery as of last year. Um, but they like changed the colors. Because remember the whole thing with it before? Yeah, it was is green. That, yeah, so they changed it to green. It was black before, so at a high speed, it looked like the Marlboro logo. Yeah. They changed it to green last year, so it didn't look like that. And it looks like this year they dropped it entirely, which is quite incredible. Good for Ferrari. Um, yeah. And that's like a huge milestone because um, 
uh, like they were like 20, 30, maybe longer than 30 years yeah. we've been with Mission Manol, you know, for so a very now, long time. if Lewis, when he retires, I'm yeah. like all in on the Ferrari thing. <laughs> yeah. Because I wanted to be all in on the McLaren thing. Maybe I will be. Maybe I'll be like Piastri fan slash science fan. Arafat, mm-hmm. what would you do if I started vaping? If you started vaping? Yeah. Oh, do you remember that video that came out when Lewis was vaping? No, was he vaping? There was a video, I think, when he like did a vape or something. Like he went off camera for a second and he came back on. And you yeah. could like see him like, like take smoke? a puff or whatever. Yeah. Oh um, my God. And I was just like, uh, fine. Um, my problem <laughs> with McLaren especially though. Yeah. Is like if you started vaping, I would just shout at you. That's fine. Right? <laughs> yeah. But if like everywhere I go the only F1 merch that I see people wearing is McLaren. Yeah. Like once a week, I will see someone in like a McLaren hoodie, McLaren hat. Yeah. Yeah. They have a huge following, especially in kids. Mm-hmm. And then to be advertising nicotine products from tobacco companies to kids is, is just annoying it's, to me. And it's like, not good, no. Yeah, you look up and down the, <clears throat> the, the paddock. You know, there's all these other yeah. sponsorship things crypto fast food like yeah. there's lots of bad companies that advertise yeah. so i know yeah. it's like just a personal thing to me i don't like vaping and smoking so i'm getting irritated by this and it's not like everyone else is being sponsored by like good yeah companies good like yeah. companies that go out and save the koalas or whatever um but <laughs> it's just it's just a personal thing i know it's my problem um but it irritates me well i will say this post covid my lungs are not what they used to be uh, so I don't think I could pick up vaping. I think it would like suffocate me. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, but yeah, going going back to kind of the weekend and the race, um, the rest of it was it was it was quite quite a good weekend. Um, and meeting Bianca was very nice. Uh, I, here's one thing that I realized you can't tell very well: pit stop times. So I could see the pit stops. I, I was in a very uh, fortunate place where I could see the pit cars come in and get changed. But I, I could not. I did not know that a Mercedes left Lewis out longer than they had to, mm. and b that his pit stops were like a full second longer. Because I'm like, you know what I'm doing? The car comes in and I'm like one Mississippi, two Mississippi, yeah. three. That's how I'm timing it. <laughs> So, like, for me, I was like, the Red Bull stop was five Mississippis. That was a slow stop. And it's like, no, actually, it was like 2.1 or something insane. Um, so, I, I had no idea that Lewis had, had multiple slow stops. But, um, okay, you've been watching F1 for longer than I have. Yeah. Has this just always been an issue or is it getting a lot worse now? Mercedes pit stops. Yeah. They were never the best. They were always, like, third or fourth fastest. Um, mm-hmm. And I used to bring this up, you know, with, like, other teams. Yeah. Um, so Williams, for example, they were like, right, we have a slow car, but Williams traditionally were always very fast at pit, pit stops because yeah. they were like, what can we control at this moment in time and yeah. get better at? Well, they can control their car too, but I see what you're getting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, but like they can make an immediate change. Up. Yeah. And yeah. Um, Mercedes, I don't know why. They just, they need to sort out their pit stop problems. And was the strategy really as bad as everyone said that they kept Lewis out for too long? Or because I couldn't tell. For me, I felt like they should have kept him out longer. Um, and so, I really couldn't tell from where I was watching. Yeah, they got stuck in between two problems. If they had left him out longer, yeah, they would have done a one-stop strategy. 
mm-hmm. and they would have saved 20 seconds doing that. Mm-hmm. The other thing is, the longer you stay out, if everyone else is pitted, mm-hmm. the higher the odds that you get a safety car pit when everyone else doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're saying yeah, no Lewis, safety look, cars this weekend. Pretty yeah. crazy. So they're saying to Lewis, "Can you keep going? Can you keep going? Can we do this as a one stop?" Mm-hmm. And after a couple of laps, they realized actually Lewis's speed is really dropping off. Mm-hmm. We need to abandon the idea of a one stop and go back to a two stop now. If they had just committed earlier to a two stop, yeah, they would have stopped earlier before he'd lost so much time to Lando mm. and Verstappen. Yeah, if they had more practice and track running and known how long they could have pushed for a one stop, mm-hmm. they could have maybe planned for it and executed it. Mm-hmm. But they sort of got the worst of both worlds, yeah, by Dang. being sort of halfway between the two and then having to abandon one plan and go back to the other. Yeah, um, very tough, and and I couldn't really tell any of that watching. So it was, it was, I'm glad that you were giving me a good running commentary. I could hear the commentary from the track, but it wasn't going into this kind of details. But do you do you think that if we had a normal weekend and not a sprint weekend, we would have maybe seen Mercedes make a better strategy decision because they've also struggled with strategy. Like they're not the best at strategy either. Yeah, I think they would have made a better strategy decision because they wouldn't mm-hmm. have been doing this random guess on kind of one stop mm-hmm. work. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the Red Bull would have been set up better mm-hmm. and we would have been much slower compared to the Red Bull anyway. So I think yeah. part, like it's it's a bit of a mixed picture. Yeah. All right, let me ask you let one other thing. show you one of my favorite photos. Yeah. Again, is I know this is all eating? terrible for our like primarily Spotify audience. But, <laughs> Sorry, uh, guys. No, it's not you vaping. I was looking for a screenshot I took of you doing Shisha, but I can't find it. But I found this other <laughs> screenshot of you. Um, hey, that's me. That is Thank you. you. But my favorite thing about this photo, when I first saw it, is yeah. your trousers are like beige. Yes. So I thought you were wearing a shirt. <laughs> no. <laughs> like, <laughs> short shorts or something. And I was like, what is going on? And then I was like, oh, no, wait. His trousers are just skin color. <laughs> so they're not actually skin colored. They're a very reasonable khaki color. Uh, but yeah, like, in that other picture... photos of you where you look normal. It's literally just this one photo. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's amazing. Yeah, we'll put it on the Slow Pitch Love account. We'll do it. I'll put my... I put. I made a little video edit of my weekend. I'll put that on the account too. So everyone can... Um, but yeah. <laughs> there, is a, there is also a picture of me smoking shisha, but I don't think I've, I put it on. And, and I should tell you, that video footage is literally the only time of me smoking shisha. My lungs just cannot handle it. Good. Um, I will suffocate. Good. Uh, I was going to say, the sprint race. So my uh, my uh, vantage point of it was that I, I get to watch it in person, which is quite nice. And seeing the cars go round and round is always incredible, right? But I also could could tell that after like lap four or five, nothing was going on. Like there was no overtaking. The order was staying the same and we were just watching the cars come around. Was it that boring watching it at home? Okay. So it came on at 11 o'clock at night. <laughs> okay. Okay. So my kids wake up sometime between half five and half six. Yeah. So I was tired. Mm. Okay. Yeah. So I was like, am I even going to stay up for this? <laughs> and then I was like, yeah, I will. And then I thought, okay, should I do something else in the meantime to entertain myself? So mm-hmm. should I do emails and watch the F1 on my phone? Or should I play PlayStation and put the F1 on my phone instead? 
I was like, no, no, actually, I don't have the energy to do anything else. I'll just put mm-hmm. it on the TV and watch it. And I lay down on the sofa. And I you vaguely slept remember it? about six laps. And oh then I woke up as they were crossing the checkered flag and like someone was shouting, Max Verstappen wins or whatever. And I was like, <laughs> I quickly had a look at where Lewis was. And I was like, yeah, it's all right. And then I second, the second is good. Yeah. But I was like, <laughs> I can't stay awake any longer for um, like medals or whatever. So I just so turned funny. it off at that point and went straight to bed. That's so funny. Um, so all I know is I watched it and it was, you know, fun and fine. And Lewis finished second. Did you fall asleep? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't fall asleep. But then I looked on Twitter and everybody's talking about how the sprint races have to go. And I was like, was it that boring from home? <laughs> like, it was fun for me because I'm watching the cars go round yeah. round. But like everybody is like, sprint races need to go. That was awful. That was the worst 30 minutes of my yeah. life. Like, R- Races are it. a lot more fun in real life. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and like now the discussion is what are we going to change it to? So I wanted to ask you, uh, what is if we have to keep it, because there's a chance they might not even keep it. But if we had to keep it, what format for the Sprint Weekend would you come up with? I don't know. It sounds like a weird thing, but mm-hmm. I actually find qualifying and Sprint qualifying more entertaining. Because hmm. like, oh, who's going to be the fastest today? And like, yeah. get Paul, oh, it's Leclerc. Oh, it's uh, Verstappen or whatever. You know, it's that's interesting. Yeah. Whereas then when you actually execute a Sprint race, yeah nothing happens and it's because these cars aren't designed for that short yeah, distance laps or whatever yeah yeah um and it it kind of made not made sense but you know last year when it was like sprint qualifying or whatever yeah it was basically a longer race and yeah but everybody took a break yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> it was like a red day. flag basically yeah. and it was then a red started, flag yeah. overnight everyone has an, a nap asleep and then comes back <laughs> yeah. but um an actual sprint race i don't know like i quite like sprint qualifying mm-hmm. um i wonder if they just made it like a separate i'm, I'm trying to think what what other thing could you do mm-hmm. that has no relation on the championship but mm-hmm. it's still worthwhile to everyone participating. Mm-hmm. You know, because like we had yeah. a world champion on a Saturday mm-hmm. and then a race on a Sunday, which is fine. <laughs> but what could we do that? Um... Yeah, imagine if the season ended when a champion was crowned and it was just <laughs> like, okay, no race on Sunday anymore, guys. <laughs> like, <laughs> that was it. What could, so I think, I... you know, in terms of football, like soccer. Mm-hmm. Like Soccer. my my idea that I'm like, this is how you make football more entertaining. Mm-hmm. I've always said at the World Cup, because mm-hmm. the opening game is always like a really, really good team playing the host nation. Mm-hmm. And so all these people from the host nation come to watch. Mm-hmm. But it's generally a country that's not as strong. Yeah. And so they just get whooped like South Africa <laughs> yeah. or Qatar or whatever. They just get yeah. whooped by like a big team. Yeah. Um, so I said, instead of that, the opening ceremony should be every team takes part in a penalty shootout knockout competition, mm. which doesn't mean a massive lot because it's not the actual World Cup and mm-hmm. maybe the goalkeeper, but nobody else is really going to get injured in mm-hmm. penalties. Um, so you just get everyone, you just get five shots, best mm-hmm. of five goes through the next round, do a yeah. quick knockout thing. The whole thing takes an hour and a half. It's a big load of fun, but it doesn't matter. Yeah. 
I'm trying to work out what the Formula One equivalent of that is. Is it just like extra sprint qualifying that's for the sake of it? I don't know. Well, so here's my perspective. I watch the F1 Academy sprint race, which is kind of like how sprint races are being used, right, in the junior categories. And I don't know, like, how they manage this, but the Academy sprint race had way higher stakes because I think all the tires were falling off and there was much closer fighting. And so you have people like Bianca was fighting. I forgot who was behind her, but there's somebody behind her. And they were fighting the whole time. And you could really feel the tension as the laps counted down. Like, oh my God, there was eight laps. Oh, we're lap six. Oh my God, we're lap seven. And like time was getting short and you could really feel the tension of the person trying to overtake, finally getting it done or the person trying to defend, trying to defend. And it was just done much better than I think F1. F1, usually you get like five or six laps that are like very exciting and then they fall into a rhythm and that's it. So my solution is twofold. One, make the sprint race even shorter, like, you know, super sprint, make it like half the distance that it currently is. So if it's a 15 lap one, make it seven laps. If it's a 10 lap sprint race, make it five laps. So you only get that first stint. Uh, Put everybody on softs. You mandate the softs so that the tire falls apart. Or would you have a sprint tire? A super, super, super soft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even better. Exactly. A tire that falls apart uh, and then make it extremely short. So people really have to like, like, you know, the stakes are higher. That's if you had to do it. The other thing I kind of think works is if you have qualifying work for both the sprint and for the race. And then some people have been saying you do like a reverse grid. Um, Reverse grids are tough and I don't think it's a hard sell for the drivers. They don't want reverse grids. So I don't know about that, but I think it would work if you, if you did like, you know, the top 10 or the top 12 move on to the sprint race. Cause again, if you're 15th and 16th and you have no chance of making it into the points, what is the point of the mm. race? Like people say, oh, they're race car drivers. They're going to want to race. That's true. But would you rather risk uh, a crash? Would you rather risk like you're, you know, you're saving everything for the, for tomorrow, which is when yeah. it matters. So I would not, I personally, if I was 19th and I had no chance to make it into the top eight, I would not care on the sprint race. I would be like, right. Well, we're how gonna about bring this? this home. Yeah. The sprint race. I don't know how you would do it, but like, you know, in the sprint, like points are only for the top eight. Yeah. So you actually extend the points all the way down to like to all 20, 15, 16, something like that. It's not a bad idea. Yeah. Like there's much less points. Yeah. You extend it much further down. Yeah. I like it. I like the idea. Like you could even, no, I, yeah, it's, that's, I like that idea. Um, it, it would be tough because whoever wins would then get 15 points, which is yeah. a lot. But um, at least it would make it more exciting for the people in the back. And I think keeping one sprint or one qualifying session and then giving you another practice session is also really important. I think two is probably the bare minimum you need. I think one is not yeah. enough at all. And we've seen that this weekend that one is not enough. And I think teams will complain. because um, What about? It's, mm-hmm. Well, this is a whole other thing. Yeah. An extra race on the Saturday that's shorter. But... Um, teams can only enter one car and the car has to have their third driver in it. They can't have one of their main two drivers. God, that is so... Oh my goodness. That's those good. Points, those points go towards the constructors. Yeah, but not towards the driver's championship. But not towards the yeah. drivers. And what it would allow is your third driver to get experience, mileage, super license points, whatever. Yeah. Um, so that you know you could test out young drivers yeah. and eventually bring one of them into the, the full only later. downside to that although i really like it the only downside is you would have like 
out of the 10 drivers, you would have 10 DNFs. <laughs> like you, these drivers cannot control their cars. Um, and you'd see a lot of spin outs and you'd see a lot of cars in the walls and you'd see I don't like, think so because uh, they're, all, they're all probably be F2 drivers anyway. There'll be people like Mick Schumacher just now. Yeah, but then why is it that rookies tend to spin out a lot and crash a lot? It's because it's a tough... Yeah. But that's the point. Curve. You don't want them doing that. So if you give them this 10-lap race oh, you that we're doing on a Saturday, make... yeah, yeah, give them this that's short race, idea. they start getting used to the cars, they build up experience, it's worth it for the teams as well because they're like, yeah. now you can correlate it with what's going on the simulator. Yeah. And they can test people out and say, when yeah. it comes to the real car, you're good, you're not good. We're yeah. going to put you in the car next year or something as a full-time yeah. driver. I think so. I think that's a good idea. Uh, one last thing before we close out the episode. I have a confession to make. <coughs> Excuse me. Mm. I have a confession to make. Um, I'm not unashamed to say it. Um, but it looks like the internet is against me. So I might get cancelled for saying this. Um, should I say it anyway? Should I, should I just go for it? Okay. I booed Max Verstappen on the podium. <laughs> I was one of the booers. I did it. I'm going to get in a lot of trouble because people were really going after the booers. I was one of them. I didn't start it. I didn't start it. <laughs> but I was one of them. And I'm surprised how loud it was that it made it onto the feed. And it's now a talking point in the media that Max Verstappen got booed in America. Um, do you remember last year I told you I didn't see a lot of Verstappen fans necessarily yeah. it was They're even less fans. it was even less this year there were way more McLaren fans so yeah. I would say it was pretty equal, equally split between McLaren Lewis and um Checo but there were a lot of Checo fans and yeah they were really the ones who started it mm. but I definitely joined in and so yeah. did all the other Ferrari fans around me and everything else yeah it was really fun it was really so I want to apologize to anyone who was offended by that because I got swept up in the moment, but I will say it is one of the highlights of my life and a memory I will cherish forever. Great. Booing Max Verstappen. I, on the before we, I, I don't know why you want to finish the episode. I have so many things to ask you about. Okay. Um, so, <laughs> just because you want to go to bed, Mr. I'm tired all the time. But um, no, two short things. One, you texted me something about yeah. there's a f- driver that has a secret child. Yes, there is. What? Oh my God. So it happened this weekend in Austin. Like one of the journalists um, or like media people um, just posted on their story that like, guys, I've overheard in the pit lane gossip between two teams, like two, like team members. um, And I can't say the name, but there is a driver under the age of 30. It's not who you think it is. A young driver under the age of 30 who fathered an illegitimate child and recently broke off their long-term relationship because of it. And like the two teams that were involved, I guess we're talking about it or something. And so on the internet, everyone for some reason thinks it's like Checo, which is vaguely racist. I don't think it's Checo um, either him or Charles. Cause Charles just broke up with his like girl whose name is also Charles. Charles. Yeah. What was her name? What's the girl version of Charles? Charlotte. Charlotte. <laughs> so his teammate is charles and his girlfriend is charles they're all charles but anyway he broke up with those people that is charles um and people really didn't know and people were like like there's so much speculation 
and like first of all this person could have been lying like it could not have been real (laughs) but then a picture came out of lance stroll at a hockey game with a woman who's a sister i think and then a baby and everyone was like is that the baby but then um people were like why that baby is maybe his sister's baby who potentially she had a baby i know she just got married um, but now people think it's Lance Stroll, which I just think this is the craziest bit of F1 gossip. And this is what Netflix has brought to the sport gossip. Cause there was no gossip before drive to survive. I'll tell you that much. There was, but the, it, it wasn't like this. Um, <laughs> second thing. Yeah. Of all the photos and videos that you posted of Austin. Um, there was one thing that really caught my attention. The one where I'm not wearing pants. The one where you're not wearing pants, but more than that and actually it's a super american thing you won't realize how american this is oh really i was amazed by it what is that your seats yeah had cup holders (laughs) you guys don't have cup holders i just thought that was amazing i was like oh i want one of those your your seats at sporting events don't have cup holders often not no they don't really yeah that's very surprising to me i actually don't even know like i'm trying to think of what image that i send you that had cup holders because it's just so normal but yeah we definitely have cup holders there's a whole culture around the food that you have at a sporting event like, yeah i think get, here like, maybe like newer venues now have them but because there's so many venues that are old yeah they didn't have them back in the day but did they not have drinks back in the day no they understand. did but you would just sit and hold them that's so stupid though you're gonna hold it the whole time how are you gonna cheer and then I remember like, like American cars, they were yeah. like, we need 14 cup holders. And then we yeah. started getting cup holders in European cars. And we we're like, <laughs> what is this? And people were like, it's for the American market. They drink while they drive. And we were like, you oh. got, do you not drink while you drive? Typically? I don't think you're supposed to. I think people do. I have like I'm a can not of talking about alcohol. Sometimes. Yeah, I'm talking about no, like no, juice like, or water. I, I don't think you do. I, I remember like a story about like someone that got pulled over for eating an apple while they were driving. Because wow. you're supposed to be like full Listen, of control of the vehicle. Let me tell you, I have had like a cup of noodles and what? a soda while driving. I'm not even kidding. I've had a Subway sandwich and a soda or a drink while driving. Okay. I, it's, it's fine. It's definitely an American thing. Cause I don't think that would be very uncommon to, if anyone heard that here in America. Um, but well, the cup we holders have corners. are very We have like, you need to have your hand on the steering wheel because we go around things. You just go in straight lines. That's true. Yeah. Cruise control. If I had as many adaptive cruise control that will <laughs> accelerate true. and break yeah. and just go in a straight line. And now we have lane keep assist, which keeps the car in the lane too. So you don't even yeah. have to do that. You don't even have to turn. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, uh, that's true. We don't have many roundabouts. And the, and we also don't have, uh, like, because with your manual cars, you need to keep a hand on the on the gear shift, right? Like, so we don't need to do that either. We just throw it in drive for the whole time. Because I, I now, now that you're saying car. that, oh, yeah. <laughs> You've got a soulless robot. Um, much <laughs> like Oscar Piastri. No. Uh, <laughs> no, because I remember now sitting in my friend's car, and he, he drives a manual, and he couldn't drink, like, a coffee while driving because he has a hand on the gear shift the whole time and he has one hand on the Why steering it, wheel. Like, you can't let go of it. <laughs> you don't need to be on it all the okay, time. Well, listen, we're American. You think we know how to drive manuals? No, <laughs> we, we just do what we see on the on the internet and we think it and we try to make it work. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, no, we had, we had a couple of... Actually, the food was quite good um, at the at the venue and it really wasn't as expensive. I thought it was going to be very expensive, but then mm. I was getting food downtown. Miami. 
Yeah, no, not not at all. It was about like twenty dollars for a meal, which I thought, oh, that's a lot. But when I was door dashing food from just like restaurants, it was mm. coming to the same amount. So I was like, maybe this is just what food costs in Austin. It was like twenty dollars yeah. for one person. What um, apart <clears throat> from all the things that we've already spoken about in terms of yeah. getting onto the podium, yeah, cutting your hands, meeting Bianca. Yeah. Apart from all the things we've already discussed, what were your top three highlights of the weekend? All right, number one is seeing Lewis Hamilton on the podium. Love that. Mm. Um, number two, which is a close second, is seeing him in the driver's parade. So mm. because my seat was so close, it was the first row. Um, when he came by, like he was literally right in front of me. Like mm. I, I, I've sent you guys videos, so I'll yeah. put my edit. So you can see how close I was to the track. But you have to imagine when he's looking into the crowd, I am right at his eye line. So I, yeah. that was the closest. I'm sure if I had like a sign up, like happy birthday, Roscoe, or something like that, I'm certain he would have taken a picture and post, posted it because I was just that close. You could yeah. have ignored it. So that's probably my number two is getting that close to Lewis Hamilton. <clears throat> my number three, uh, hmm, like there's so many nice things. Like all of the things on my, on my checklist I met, I wanted to see Lewis lead a race. I got that. I wanted to see... Uh, him in person like I got to see him in the you know in the parade Uh, I wanted to meet Bianca I got to meet Bianca I'll probably make my third thing uh like seeing him in the in the driver's interview like you know when he got second he gets you get interviewed so he was close enough that I got to see him and uh, it's different seeing him like in all racing gear compared to uh like when he's just standing there and getting interviewed that feels a little bit more like I I got to see him so that was pretty nice moment also having breakfast with the Williams team was pretty nice too Mm. So that's probably up there. Um, there is something that I didn't know, which I'm quite ashamed that I, I didn't know it because it's common knowledge, but I didn't realize it till I was at the track. And that is that when the cars come into their spots before the formation lap, like just when they have to get to the grid, their whole grid is filled with all the team members. Like it's like packed with people and the cars essentially drive into that crowd of people albeit at a low speed, and then the team gets the car and wheels it up and puts it in its Craig grid spot. But I didn't know that that's how it happened. You know, I just thought the cars got there, like, on their own or something. Like, Yeah, yeah they used to back in the day. And then because of health and safety, they told them they have to cut the engine at the back and then they'll get wheeled forwards. No, but, but okay, well, they cut their engine, but not that far back. They, they like, I would, I, they were, like, driving into the crowd. Yeah. Then right when they hit the first group of people, they, like, cut their engine, and then they yeah. get wheeled to their spot. Also, hilarious, I saw Lance Stroll drive to the grid by accident, then have to get wheeled back into his spot. I saw that happen the same time the stewards did when they investigated him. So I feel very <laughs> proud of myself. Breaking news right here, reporter. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Well, I, I want to know real quick before before we do finish, what is your opinion on the booing? We talked about Lewis getting booed before, and I remember you said, like, oh, plenty of people have gotten booed in the past. Yeah. It's just part of the sport. What, 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 what is your opinion? So, I think nice. it's, yeah, mixed. Because on the one hand, like, I'm not someone that would boo someone. Like, oh, I don't really? think I would join in. Uh-huh. Um, I'd be too Sorry, embarrassed guys. to. But at the same time, I'm not offended by it because like in lots of sporting contexts like football matches or whatever mm-hmm. people boo mm-hmm. but you kind of feel like i don't know it's not that it can be done in a friendly way but like with vettel it felt like eventually it got to the point where it was like malicious yeah so um 
yeah, I, I'm not like super offended by it. Uh, and I know lots of interviewers and things have like spoken out when people do boo and are like, let's not boo and just like respect and appreciate racing as it goes. And I kind of agree with that. But if someone does boo, I'm not like, oh my God, the universe is ending. I, I think there's, there's, because there's I bigger problems going on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, the way I saw it, I mean, I do think some of the Checo fans are very vindictive right now. Yeah. I don't think they're very happy with how his season's going. And I think they blame Max for a lot of it. So yeah. I do think there's a lot of ire from their side. I, I disagreed with chanting Checo throughout the Dutch anthem. And I didn't join in on that. And I thought it was quite disrespectful. And I didn't realize that got picked up by the feed too. So you could hear that as well. Mm. Um, but booing him on the podium, I think, is fair game. I think any athlete is has potential to get booed. Like you said, it's it's like at any sport, and it doesn't feel good when it's happening. But at the same time, does he just won his championship, and he won the race. Like I really don't think he's gonna care. This is more for fans to have their catharsis. So I agree with you that if it becomes vindictive, like I mean, why can why do we hate him? He's just won. Like he didn't actually yeah. do anything wrong. It's not like he murdered yeah. a bunch of people. Yeah. You know, he's not Mazepin, but yeah. um, <laughs> yeah, like. So we just hate him because we're low-key jealous that he's not yeah. our driver. Um, so, okay, fine. We'll boom him a little bit. But, yeah, I agree that anything beyond that is too much. But <clears throat> with that said, I did enjoy uh, pulling Max Verstappen. <laughs> and I'm surprised that he got picked <laughs> up on the feed. <laughs> Very good. You made it on the news. <laughs> you know, because I was so close, there really was plenty of opportunity for me to invade the track and be one of those crazy fans that you hear about mm-hmm. that gets arrested and banned for life. Nice. So. I didn't do it because I value our podcast. But imagine mm. if I did. I did message you at one point in saying, if a safety car came out now, it would be very beneficial to Lewis. And you seemed to. <laughs> no, he pit right the then. To invade the no, track. no, no. He, he had just pitted yeah. in real life. Because so you were just a little too slow. Yeah. Had you said it a minute ago? You know, I, I, I didn't. You don't even have to invade the track. I could have just thrown my shoes onto the track. <laughs> <laughs> it would have caused a safety flag. Not a full safety car, maybe yellow flags or something, but yeah. I could have just done something <laughs> insane like that, you know? I could have sacrificed my pants. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I could have just... <laughs> but That's yeah, why next there's time. a photo of you not wearing any. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, man. I could have just good. run onto the track yeah. and then run back. Yeah. Oh, my God. I would have. I would be in jail right now. We'd be doing this podcast from jail. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, guys, I think that's our episode. Is there anything yeah. else you wanted to talk about? No, I think that's all good. We'll <clears throat> reconvene following the next race. Yeah, hopefully Lewis scores at least one point, um, mm. or I will be very depressed. Mm. Bye, everybody. Thanks for joining us. We've been very lucky this year to have a recap from the U.S. Grand Prix, from the Japanese Grand Prix, and from the Canadian Grand Prix. Um, so that's the kind of quality you can expect from Slow Pit Stop. <laughs> all right, everyone, thanks. Have a nice day. Bye. Bye. Okay, fun times. Oh, they're slow. It's a slow pit stop, Rocky. This has been a production for Not That Good Media.